0: If you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. It's also printed in your bulletin. We will also be working from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11, and Proverbs 25, 28. Those are not printed for you, but will be on the screen uh, behind me. We are finishing up our series through the fruit of the Spirit. And we are looking this morning at the ninth and final fruit, which is the fruit of self-control. And to do that, we will be reading uh, these verses that I mentioned. So let me read God's word for us, and we'll dig in together. Galatians five twenty-two and 23. Uh, hopefully you are well uh, acquainted with this, these couple of verses by now since we've been reading them uh, for the last couple of months. But this is God's word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Now Proverbs eighteen eleven. 11, uh, at first glance you're going to say what in the world does this verse have to do with self-control, but hang with me once we uh, get in to the message, hopefully uh, it will help us make more sense of why I chose this verse, but Proverbs 18, 11, a man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. And then Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. This is God's word. Let me pray and ask God to come through his spirit and to help us this morning with this path, these passages and this topic. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would come through your spirit. Uh, This is a topic in self-control that naturally brings up in lots of us shame and self-hatred and self-loathing because we've all uh, have things in our lives that we struggle to control or things that we have started and tried to do but we can't seem to get a handle on and we feel like failures and so I pray that you would come and help us help us to understand self-control better exactly what it is and what's going on inside of us but also help us to see um, that it's really important to you and also show us the love of Jesus make Jesus better than anything else that we want in the moment and that's going to take a work of your spirit and so please come and help us to love you more. Uh, As a result of our time in your word this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. Self-control. We all know it's important. And we all know. If we're honest this morning. That it's something that we need more of. Maybe I don't know what it is for you. But maybe you need more control in eating. Maybe you need more control in exercising. Or drinking or your spending habits or perhaps you need more sleep and you need to get to bed earlier or maybe you need more control over your sexuality and lust or maybe it's overworking or maybe it's technology and checking Instagram multiple times in an hour or maybe you need more control over your anger and rage that goes on inside of you and we could go on and on or maybe it's the things that you Say you're going to do. But then you end up not doing. Things like your yearly Bible reading program. How many times have you started, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And then you get to Leviticus. And it becomes a distant memory. Or maybe it's, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to get up an hour earlier. I'm going to pray and spend time in the Word. Or I'm going to come home from work earlier so that i can spend time with the people that i love the most or maybe it's i'm going to control my words more this year or whatever it might be anybody this morning need more control in any of those areas that i mentioned yeah we all do me included and even this morning if you maybe you're not a christian and maybe you're saying i'm my value and top value is self expression and self-control, you know, that sounds boring and dull. I want to live for my pleasure and my temptations. And I don't want to give those things up. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Well, I would still say that there are some area, at least one area in your life where you would say you need more self-control. See, we all need self-control. We want more of it. And yet it's one of those things that even when I got to studying studying this uh, this week I got to this last fruit self-control and I just kind of went yeah Uh, that's what it does to us and honestly this is the fruit that I've probably been dreading the most because there is nothing that brings up inside of us inside of me more shame and self-loathing and self-hatred than self-control. I mean, think about it. Think about all the things, whatever it is, whether it's exercising, whatever it is that you have set out to do, you try and you try and you try. And you fail and you fail and you fail and it seems impossible. Sure, it might last for a day or two or maybe even a week or maybe even longer, but you can't seem to break the pattern of who you've always been. See, we're addicted, helplessly addicted to the desires, aren't we, that we cannot seem to change. Well, this morning, what I hope to do, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to relieve you of all those things that you feel inside when you think about this topic of self-control. But what I hope to do this morning is this. I hope that we can kind of get above And fly over self-control at 30,000 feet and see exactly what it is and what's going on and why we lack self-control. And then secondly, I want us to look at why it's so important. Why does God list it as one of the fruit of the Spirit? Why is it important for us as human beings to have self-control? Why it matters. And then thirdly and finally, uh, we want to look at how we get it. So really the same outline that we've been uh, looking at lots of these fruits under these three headings of what it is, why it matters, and how do we get it. So let's dig in and look at what it is. And to really get a handle on this idea of self control, we need to look at it within the context of where the fruit of the Spirit's listed in Galatians chapter 5. You remember several weeks ago we looked at uh, this idea of the, the battle between the flesh. And the spirit in Galatians 5:17 says this: "For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, and they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what it is that you want to do. And here's the point I want you to see. The flesh has desires. The flesh, your sinful nature inside of you, has things that it believes that it has to have. You ever feel that? The flesh is demanding. The flesh has things it thinks it deserves. It has an entitlement mentality. And it believes that it is entitled to it now. The flesh is impulsive. The flesh lives for the moment. The flesh, or the sinful nature, is selfish and makes all of life about you. But there's also another uh, person who has desires. And that is in 517, in Galatians 5.17, the Holy Spirit also has desires. And it says, the flesh and the Holy Spirit are opposed to one another. You feel this inside of you. Please say, you, you feel this, and I'm not the only one. <laughs> you feel the flesh pulling in one direction... And the Holy Spirit pulling in the other direction. They're at war with one another and will be until Jesus returns and makes all things new. The flesh is pulling towards self, towards instant gratification. And the Holy Spirit is pulling towards Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. Towards something greater and something more long lasting and more satisfying. And so self-control implies this. It implies that there is a battle of desires within you. That there are competing impulses and cravings and appetites and desires that need to be restrained and controlled. You're looking for a definition, here it is. Self-control is the ability to override your fleshly impulses and desires. Self-control, to say it another way, is the ability to choose the greater thing, Over the lesser thing. It's the ability to choose the important over the urgent. Let me try to give you an example, a light, practical example. And this may or may not be about the person standing on the stage. Let's say you get home from work at 5 o'clock, but you have dinner at 6 o'clock with somebody in the neighborhood. You're going out with their families or somebody at the church. You get home and you have this craving... For a bag of salt and vinegar chips. Something inside you says obey this craving. You deserve this. You worked hard all week. Not only that, you worked out today and burned lots of calories. You've got room to spare. Self-control is the ability to stand above that impulse and outside of that impulse and that craving and say... We're going to dinner in an hour. And if I do this, this will ruin my appetite for dinner. It's the ability to stand above it and to say, wait a minute, I've been down this road. I've done this way too many times. And I know how this will make me feel if I eat the bag of chips. You see, self-control is the ability to get above and override the impulse and choose something better. And then the question becomes, well, then why is that so hard? Somebody asked me later, did I eat the bag of chips? I said half a bag. Um, Why is it so hard, though? Why why do we struggle with overriding the impulse and choosing the better and greater thing? Well, there's two reasons. Let me give you one very briefly. In order to have self-control, you have to be willing to suffer In order to have self-control, you've got to be willing to experience loss. And we don't like to suffer. And we don't like loss. And the flesh definitely doesn't like those things. We want it now. We want it our way, right away, right now, because we feel like we're entitled to it. That's one reason we don't like suffering. And so we want instant gratification because we want comfort. But the second reason we see is in Proverbs 18.11. This really gives us a picture of how self-control works and what is actually going on. Look at 18.11. A rich man's wealth is like a strong city, like a high wall in his imagination. We're going to talk about this in the second point, but if you have a city that's really strong and really stable, back in the ancient Near East, if it was really secure and stable, it had a high wall around it. And this proverb says that the rich often look to their wealth for their source of security and stability. But it's not a real city. Did you notice? It's in their imagination. But the point is this. This is the example that the proverb is giving. Wealth is just one example. The proverb is actually driving us much deeper, and it's showing us that every single person uh, has this need inside of them for security and stability and justification. It might, for this, in this proverb, it, it was a person's wealth, but for you, it might be something else. It might be something else that you're looking to for stability and for security. And so, this proverb gives us two. Uh, principles that help us understand self-control. And the first one is, I've mentioned, everyone is driven by this deep need for security. The flesh, you see, is restless and fragile and it reaches out for all sorts of things. And you think what it is in your life that you have trouble having control over. The flesh reaches out for those things because it's immediate and it's urgent. And And it's a way for the flesh and for you to gain control, even if it's just for a moment. Let me give you... There's lots of um, heavy examples that I could give. But let me give you a light-hearted, lighter example, a smaller example of how this kind of works itself out. Let's suppose you're at a restaurant, and you're with one other person. You're sitting across the table with them. It's a business lunch. Maybe you're having a date night with your spouse or you're with a friend, or whatever it might be, and at some point in the lunch or dinner, uh, the person across from you gets up and they go to the restroom. And they're in the restroom, and you're waiting, and there is this sense of loneliness. There's a hint of loneliness that comes into your heart, a hint of emptiness or boredom. What do you do in that moment, typically? Look around next time you're in a restaurant when someone leaves the table. Look at what the other person is doing. You know what they do? You know what we do? We grab our phone. Because it gives us a sense of purpose again. It gives us a sense of security and stability. Because you see, we all have this deep need for security. And we'll do anything and everything to get it. Even if it's just for a moment. We'll look to something to give us That sense of security and stability. The second principle that we see in the Proverbs is that whatever it is that you're reaching out to for stability and security will never give you the security that you desire. It's an amazing Proverb because it says says the Proverb calls it an imaginary city. It's something that's not real. The wealthy look to the city for stability, but they can never get it. It can never deliver on its promise. And we all know this to be true, don't we? Don't you know this to be true? You look to something, and it never quite does what you think it's going to do. Think about the temptation to click on that certain website. And that moment, that website is calling to you, promising to give you security. And promising to give you peace. And it does for a moment, but it's a false security. It's a false intimacy. And it quickly goes away and leaves you more lonely, more empty and guilty and more full of shame. And so what is self-control? Self-control is the ability to stand above something and look at it, something that's pulling at you at the moment and for you to stand back and say, that will never give me what I'm looking for. It's the ability to stand above something and say, that will never make good on its promises. What I'm really looking for is Jesus. He's the one that can give me what it is that I'm looking for. That's self-control. We could say a lot more, but we need to move on. Why does it matter? Look at Proverbs 25, 28. Why is it important? Why does God call us to self-control? Very vivid proverb. Like a city without walls is a person without self-control. It literally reads this way. A broken city with no walls is a man with no restraint in his spirit. Is a man with no restraint in his desires. We lose the image because we don't live in a day and time where we have walls around our cities. But if you remember what happened in the Bible when Nehemiah heard that Jerusalem... Did not have, no longer have walls. What did Nehemiah do? He wept. Why did he weep? Because he knew a city without walls really wasn't a city. Or a city without walls would not be a city for very long. Because you see, a city with no walls was vulnerable to robbers and animals and armies who could sweep in and totally devastate and destroy the city. Because the walls represent security and stability. it's very telling because it tells us if you have a desire that's out of control, if you and I are not capable of getting above a desire, then it's basically the same as disabling the security system in your life. If we can't get above a desire or we lack self-control, it is basically like unlocking the door to your life. It, you are exposed. You are vulnerable. You are defenseless. And chaos and destruction can come in and take you down. I heard an illustration years ago. Uh, over a decade ago. But I've never forgotten it. I don't even know if it's true. But it's. I've never forgotten this picture. But the story is that these Eskimos. The way they would hunt wolves. They would... Uh, get a very sharp knife, and they would sharpen the blade razor sharp, and they would dip the knife in animal blood. And then they would stick it handle first down in the ground, and the wolves who were around them, they would be attracted to the knife where the animal blood was, and they would start licking this frozen blood off of the razor sharp blade of the knife. They could not control themselves. And so they did not know whether they were tasting the blood of the animal. Or if they were tasting their own blood. They would eventually bleed out and die. Their desire for blood was so out of control that they could not get above it. And it led to their own demise and destruction. That's why God says we need self-control. That is a picture of. Of a person without self control. It's a city without walls. And we know this to be true. If you can't control your appetite for food, it ruins your body. If you can't control your tongue or your temper, you say things that cannot be unsaid. If you can't control your sexual desires, it will ruin your relationships. If you can't, uh, if you only make impulsive quick decisions and you don't think things out, you'll make bad decisions that could do harm to your family. And we could go on and on. Where this morning are you vulnerable? Where is your wall vulnerable? Where do you need more self-control in your life? You see, at some level, every single one of us are out of control somewhere. We all have areas of our lives that we don't have the ability. There's something that you don't have the ability to override. For some of you, it means uh, some very serious struggles with addiction. Drug and alcohol and gambling and sex and rage and eating, perhaps. But others of us are just as addicted to something, but it's just more socially acceptable. But it is just as damaging as well. For some of you, maybe the way you spend your time is out of control. That you are so overcommitted, And you promise so much to others. Or to some, some, something that you're committed to. That you end up letting everyone down around you. Because you can't say no. To anyone or to anything. Maybe you binge on Netflix. Maybe you binge on YouTube. Or Fortnite. Or other video games. Or maybe it's your spending habits. You have this impulsive spending habit. And every time you do it, you immediately regret what you've just bought. Or maybe you look really in control on the outside. On the outside, you look like you have it all together and you are a picture and a model of self-control. But on the inside, you're out of control. You have out of control rage and anger and thoughts and jealousy and self-hatred and lust. We're all out of control at some level. Where is your wall vulnerable? Where are you broken? Where are you giving the enemy a chance to move in to your life? If you don't know, ask God, pray. Ask Him to show you or ask a friend to help you. Thirdly and finally, how do we get it? The way to long-term self-control... And this is what we normally think, but it's not. It's not through suppressing your impulsive desires. That's willpower. That's the counterfeit. See, we normally think self-control happens by we see these raging impulses inside of us and we say, stop it! And we try to push it down and just tell it to go away. But you can never suppress your impulsive fleshly desires that way. That will never work and give you long-lasting Self-control, that's willpower, that's in your own strength where you're gritting your teeth trying to work through this. And so what do you do? Well, self-control doesn't come from suppressing your impulsive desires, it comes from replacing your desires. In other words, a self-controlled person is one who has learned to interrupt their desires with something better. Something better and greater and more beautiful than whatever it is that you're wanting in the moment. Let me give you an example and it will probably break down, but hopefully you'll get uh, what I'm trying to get at here. Let's say your kids, this is a scenario uh, that's happened in our house more than one occasion. Your kids are upstairs playing in your house and they're loud and it seems like they're coming through the ceiling. They're having the time of their life, a great time. The only problem is they're completely destroying the upstairs and which is going to make more work for you. Normally what we do is we go, and we go to the bottom of the steps, and we go, stop it! Don't do that! It sounds like you're coming through the ceiling! That works for what? About three minutes? Where you get, everything gets real quiet, and then all of a sudden you hear, it, you know, all the noise once again. You know what works? is when you go to the bottom of the steps and you say, Hey, let's go to doodles. Who wants to go to doodles? You see, you interrupt the desire with something better. Making a mess was fun in the house, but doodles is so much better. It's the same thing with self-control. The thing that's going to give you self-control is when you, when you realize that what God has for you in Jesus is so much better. It's so much better than whatever it is that is tempting you. And calling you in the moment, and see that 's the job of the Holy Spirit. the holy Spirit 's job is to interrupt and replace your fleshly momentary desires with Jesus. that 's one of the holy Spirit's main job is to shine the spotlight on Jesus, to remind you, remember the flesh lives to get. the Holy Spirit is to remind you of all that you have in Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds you of Jesus and makes Jesus real and vivid more real and vivid to your heart than anything else that you might be tempted with in the moment to put your hope and security in. Remember Jesus when he was in the garden and he says, take this cup. He's about to go to the cross and he says, take this cup away from me. And remember, he goes on and he says, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus in that moment submits to god and he makes him he goes to the cross and he spreads his arms out and he makes himself vulnerable like a city without walls he makes himself vulnerable so that the enemy comes in and he's completely exposed and he's tortured and he's nailed to a tree and you have to wonder as jesus is suffering uh, there on the cross, what was it in him that drove him to have such self-control that he didn't fight back? And he could have fought back. Remember, he could have said, angels, come down, take care of this. He could have taken care of this immediately. But Jesus says, I'm going to endure this for something better. I'm going to endure this for something more beautiful. Remember Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. For the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. Jesus, how was he able to override the impulses that he was feeling in that moment? Jesus was able to override the impulses that came up because there was a prize more beautiful than what he was experiencing in the moment. What was the prize that Jesus was experiencing in the moment that made this suffering worth it? For the joy set before him. You know who the joy set before him was? Who he was willing to do all this for? You. You. And me. We were the joy that was set before Jesus. And here it is. When you see that. When you see Jesus becoming vulnerable and defenseless. Like a city without walls. For you. And that he experienced all of that so that you could have the experience of security and safety and satisfaction from being God's child. When that starts to make its way down into your soul and really grasp you at a heart level. Jesus will become more beautiful to you than anything else. And slowly but surely it will begin to interrupt your desire for the lesser thing that is calling at you in the moment. See that extra bite, that clicking of the link, and offering a defensive and biting remark, it's not merely that those things are wrong, it's that they're cheap, and they're immediate, and they're not nearly as good as Jesus is. And you see, that's the point. Whatever it is that you can't say no to, is you chasing something that you already have this morning. It's you chasing security and satisfaction and safety and all of those things. If you're a believer in Jesus, you already have. You see, we all need to be rescued from what we believe seems right in the moment. We all need an interruption. And the gospel comes and it interrupts our immediate desire with something better. And so self-control. At first glance it seems like it's a matter of being in control or out of control but that's really not the question is it? At the heart of self-control is what do you love? And who do you love? You see it goes all the way back to the very first fruit of the spirit. Do you love your belly, your hormones, your Instagram likes, or your reputation? See, those things aren't nearly as beautiful as Jesus is. You want self-control this morning? We all need it. You come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning and taste and see that he's good. Friends, Jesus really is better than you think he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you were able to override what was tempting you and the impulses you had in the moment that came up as you were suffering. You could have stopped it, but you didn't because of the joy set before you. Lord, forgive us for our lack of self-control. Forgive us for trying to find security and stability in things that are fleeting and do not last. And Father, would you pour out your Holy Spirit into our hearts so that Jesus would become more beautiful than anything else around us. And we would say no to our impulsive desires and yes to Jesus. We need your grace and your help to do that. Help us in Jesus' name, amen.